So uh, as you uh, well heard this morning, uh, we are talking about the fruits of the Spirit, and today is our very last day uh, on uh, discussing the fruits of the Spirit. And I love that skit because um, that's kind of what we've been talking about is there's this difference between operating in our flesh, which basically means, you know, doing what we think uh, is right. Uh, And instead, what uh, Paul is writing and what he's suggesting is, listen, you need to live by the Holy Spirit. And how you know that you are allowing the Holy Spirit to move through your life is you will produce these types of fruits, the fruits that we've been talking about, love and joy and peace and, you know, and, and on and on and on. And, and it's, it's understanding that, listen, there's that constant battle going on every day, every day, every morning that you wake up, your flesh is crying out for all the things your flesh wants to do. But Paul is saying, listen, you need to tune into the Holy Spirit. You need to immediately invite the Holy Spirit into your life, into your morning and say, you know what, this day, I choose, I choose to listen to the Spirit and not my flesh. I want to read to you uh, a scripture uh, before we go back into Galatians and look at the uh, last two fruits of the Spirit. If you wouldn't mind uh, pulling out your Bibles or your phones and going to John chapter 15, starting in verse 5. John chapter 15, starting in verse 5. These are Jesus' words. We've been talking about the fruits of the Spirit. We, we went back and we looked at the psalm that David wrote when he said, you know, that he is like a tree planted, you know, near the, the, the stream and that, that gives forth its fruit, you know, and he's ta- there's all these imagery uh, about our lives being compared to like a healthy tree or a healthy vine or, or, you know, whatever it may be, but that there's this idea of growth because it's something that we can see physically um, all the time. And uh, we're all in Southern California very aware of what it looks like when there's no water, right? When uh, everything starts to die. Our grass became completely brown. In fact, it's, it's still recovering uh, our front yard and our backyard. In fact, our backyard uh, looks way worse than our front yard. But um, it's dead, it's gone, it's dirt, and it's not necessarily coming back, you know, um, just overnight. That we understand when things die, and then when things wither, when plants, you know, are not healthy, we know what that looks like. And that is why Jesus, and that is why Paul, and that is why even David uses this type of imagery that when we look at plants, that you know the difference between a healthy plant or a non-healthy plant. You know the difference between when you grab a good fruit and eat it or or when you grab a a bad fruit or a sour fruit, right? Nobody, uh, there's not one person in here who when you go and grab a banana and you start peeling it back and it's all black that you go, this looks good, right? None of us. In fact, what do you do? You throw it away. It's not good fruit. It's bad fruit. Nobody wants to bite in. My, I hate, I love apples. Anybody else like an apple? You guys eat apples? Okay. I love a nice, crisp, you know, juicy apple. The, it's the worst when you bite into one of those soft ones that kind of you go, mm, oh, right, that is just, I just, you know, you know instantly, terrible, throw it away. So we're talking about good fruit. We're talking about and, and what that means to live by the Spirit. But I want to look at Jesus' words. 
In John chapter 15, starting in verse 5, Jesus says this, Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. These are Jesus's words. He's telling us, listen, if you want to produce fruit, if you want to have a fruitful life, you need to be connected to Jesus. He even, again, uses the imagery of, of this time, an actual, you know, grapevine, you know, a vine, and we are the branches coming off that vine. You know, if you've ever seen uh, grapevines, you know, they're actually uh, quite, you know, uh, pretty. You know, they, they kind of just, they, 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 they're, you know, beautiful and, and big, and, and if you see when grapes are coming off of them, and, and, you know, there's this vine that kind of runs through, and off the vine are all the branches that shoot off where all the grapes come from, and that's, you know, what they pick off. But the vine always remains. The vine always remains. And Jesus is saying that if you are connected to the vine, then you are going to be blessed. You are going to bear fruit. And then Jesus goes on to say this. He says, if you are connected to me, if I am in you and you are in me and we are one, then you can ask anything in my name. You can ask anything and and I will do it. You know, and I started thinking about this. Well, well, wow, I'm just going to start, you know, writing out a list of things that I want. You know, no, wait a second. Let's go back into understanding the difference between operating in the flesh and op- operating in the spirit. What Jesus is talking about is, listen, if we are so connected and, and you are producing fruit and you are living and operating in the spirit, then we will even be thinking as one. And when you ask those things, when you ask those things that will bear fruit, then I will do those things. You know, it's not just going down a list of, I want money, I want a car, I want, I want, I want, I want. That's not what Jesus is referring to. Jesus is saying, listen, when we're connected, listen, you will know my thoughts. You will know my heart. And you will bear much, much fruit. And when, you be, when you're asking of those things that bring fruit and that bring blessing, I'm, I will do it in abundance. I will do it in abundance. So let's go back to Galatians. Galatians is where we've been in. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 is where we've been in in the last uh, several weeks. And we're finally uh, at the end of the fruits of the Spirit. But Galatians chapter 5, Paul is instructing us how to live. Paul is saying that there's this difference between living in our flesh and living by the Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, and I talk about this a lot, but uh, I really, really love coffee. In fact, I really, really love caffeine. Uh, Why? Because it gives me a lot of energy, and I've never experienced before Uh, you know, being awake at eight o'clock in the morning and yet feeling so alive and that it only comes through caffeine. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah, anybody else? If you could literally mainline, just, you know, in the morning caffeine, hey, there we go, I'm good. 
But that is my flesh. That's what my flesh wants. That's not what my spirit is needing. My spirit doesn't need. In fact, to be honest with you, if I'm very honest with you, um, caffeine actually brings on anxiety. Anxiety. I get a lot of anxiety uh, throughout the day because of my heart's racing, my adrenaline's pumping, and I'm like, what's my problem? Why am I, you know, and I feel, oh, that's right, I had some caffeine this morning. But, But what do I do the next morning? I go back and do it all over again. There's a difference between what my flesh desires and what my spirit needs, what my spirit wants. And I have to constantly, in fact, I do this once a year. I take a whole month off and I, I fast all caffeine. I fast all coffee and sodas and, and even chocolate. I don't know if you guys know this, you chocolate lovers, that there is yeah, amounts of, trace amounts of caffeine even in things like chocolate and stuff like that. But I do this because I want to remind myself who is in charge. I want to strengthen the spirit man inside of me and tell the flesh, you know what, you can go take a hike. You don't tell me what to do, I'll tell you what to do, and then when that month is over, I'm right back to doing whatever my flesh wants, and caffeine is, you know. But let's look at Galatians, and let's look at even what Paul is instructing to us, and I've already kind of gone over it and over it, but Paul starts the chapter by, by kind of explaining, say, hey, listen, there's some thought out there that I, I want to bring correction to. There's some of you uh, who have just recently got saved, and now you think of this idea of, hey, we're saved, we can go do whatever we want. We can go sin, we can go da-da-da, and, and Paul is saying, no, 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 no. That is not what, I'm, that's not what we are preaching when we say that uh, you have been saved and that you are now free from sin. Basically, you're not free to go sin, you are free from sin. You are now, there's a freedom in your life where now you are not bound by sin anymore. You're not bound by the the, the flesh anymore. You can now, in the name of Jesus, tell Satan to go take a hike, and he has to listen. He has to. Satan has to bow down to the name of Jesus. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm kind of going to take a little step aside. Not enough of you use that name around your home. I'm just going to be really honest with you. Because if I'm even honest with myself, not enough of you take authority in the name of Jesus when the enemy starts to get in your head. If anything, our flesh just kind of gets in. Oh, here we go. Yes. Oh, man, I'm such a loser. Oh, my day. Oh, you know, and you do. You, you get into this monologue in your head of negativity. That is the enemy. You have the authority in the name of Jesus to tell him to get out in any situation. To get out of your home. Listen, if your home is in chaos, if your home is is being torn apart right now, you have the authority to say, Satan, get out of this. In the name of Jesus, because that is the authority that Jesus has in your life. That is the authority that Jesus brings. All right, now I'm back. Let's go ahead and look at Galatians uh, chapter 5, starting in verse 16. Paul says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires uh, that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. 
But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation of the law of Moses. I just saw it. I've been talking about those two cartoon characters, and it's funny because I was watching a cartoon with my daughter, and there they were, the little cartoon characters, the little angel and the little devil, and there they are, the angel saying, oh, no, do this, and then there's the devil, oh, no, no, do it like this, you know, be bad. He's got the little pitchfork, and he's, <laughs> you know, and what is it in cartoons that the, 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 the main character always shoves the angel off of his shoulder and goes out, you know, goes and does what, um, you know, the little devil wants to do? But isn't that what we feel every single day, right? Don't you feel that? Don't you feel like you got one voice in one ear and another voice in the other ear? Let me tell you something. That is exactly what's happening. There is the enemy talking, but then if you are listening, there is the Holy Spirit who's talking to you. Here is my question to you. Which one are you going to listen to and which one are you going to tell to get lost? That's what we should be doing every single day of our life. It's like a muscle. We have to use it. We have to do it, even when it seems hard, even when it's difficult, even when we don't want to. By the way, that's your flesh crying out, going, oh, I don't want to do this. How many, how many of you have kids? How many of you have kids? How many of you have heard that before? I don't want to do that. I don't want to clean my room. You know, I don't want to go to the store with you. I don't want to. And what, what do you tell them? I don't care. I'm sorry, I'm in charge, I'm the parent, we are doing this. Sometimes kicking and screaming, right? Uh, and, and it's funny because, you know, one of the biggest um, uh, arguments in our house between me and my daughter is her bedroom. She hates, uh, with a passion, cleaning her room. Uh, but I tell her, honey, you need to go clean your room. And it's this fight, and it's this, you know, we, and it always turns into a verbal argument between the two of us. But then, when it's all done, when the room's all clean and her bed's all set up and, and, and everything's in order and it's all vacuums, I walk in and I go, now, isn't this nice? And she goes, yeah, it is nice. <laughs> well, I go, why don't you clean it every day? She goes, because I don't want to. I go, oh, my gosh, killing me. Patience. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, let me just tell you, if you are a parent, you are practicing patience already. Every day. All right, verse 19. Verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. All right, here we go, Paul. All right, laying it all out there. I apologize, but, you know, here we go. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Paul says there's so many, I'm not even going to list them all. And half of you are already saying, man, I've blown it already this morning before we even got here. Listen, Paul is telling us, though, he's, he's not doing this to, to shame you. He's saying, listen, take inventory. Take inventory, though. If one of these things jumps out at you, and this is one of the things that you struggle with, he's saying that's the flesh. That's the sinful nature. He's saying you need to start listening to the Holy Spirit. You need to let the Spirit direct your life. Verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. There's the second time Paul says that. It's the second time Paul says, listen, it's not this checklist of things that, you know, you go down and if I do everything perfect, if I, if I get 100% on, on the test that God has given me, then he's going to be happy with me. You know, he's saying it's not the law anymore. He's saying if you allow the Holy Spirit to be active in your life, then guess what? You, you, you don't even have to worry about if you're following the letter of the law. Because if you're living in this way, then you're already pleasing God. If you're living this way, you're already pleasing God. You might already be thinking, this sounds impossible. There is no way that I can live this way. Guess what? Jesus knew that. In fact, he said, listen, don't be afraid. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you, to live with you, that you will have that other voice speaking and you will be able to listen to that voice. You'll be able to do what that voice tells you to do. You want to know why? Can I speak to the parents really quick in the room? Do you want to know why you teach your children obedience? So that when the Holy Spirit is talking to them, that they will obey it immediately instead of arguing with him. But if you allow your children to argue with you, and if you give in to their demands, then when the Holy Spirit comes into their life and the Holy Spirit directs them, they will treat him the same way they've treated you. So if you're one of those parents and you give in to whatever it is that your children want, let me tell you, you are doing them a disservice. Because then they're going to grow up, they're going to have the Holy Spirit, and they will treat the Holy Spirit the same way they treated you. And they will tell the Holy Spirit, you know what, get lost. I I can do it on my own. And let me tell you, as a parent, I've fallen into that, that same temptation of just, all right, you know what, here, take it. But it's something, as parents, think beyond just the moment. Think about setting your children up for success so that when they are in that position where they are faced alone with the decision of whether to go right or whether to go left, that they will be obedient, that they're uh, you know, learning obedience throughout their life, that when they get to that place and the Holy Spirit says, I need you to make a right here, that they will instantly follow the Spirit and not question it. All right, I'm not back off my soapbox. So let me recap last week. We talked about goodness and faithfulness. Let me talk about goodness uh, in case you missed it. Um, God is infinitely and unchangeably good. And his goodness is incomprehensible to the finite mind. God's goodness appears in two things. Giving and forgiving. God is good when he is giving and forgiving. You want to know why? Because there's no strings attached. There's no strings attached. When God gives, he is giving out of his own goodness. He's not expecting anything back, and there's no strings attached. When he forgives, his forgiveness is offered freely. His forgiveness is offered freely. It is a free gift. That is the goodness of God. So like that... 
like God's goodness, we need to be good to others. We need to offer goodness just freely, not because we're going to get anything back for it, not because we're going to get an applause or a pat on the back or an attaboy or anything like that. We need just to give out of the goodness of our heart because our heart is after Christ. Faithfulness. Faithfulness we talked about last week. God can be trusted because he is unchangeable. God can be trusted because he is unchangeable. Psalms 138.2 says, I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. For your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. God cannot break a promise because he is God and he is never changing. He does not change. See, we do. We change, but you know, between how we feel and, and, and the seasons and different things like that and our circumstances and all that. So we're used to this kind of idea that, well, yeah, people change. Oh, yeah, people feel differently. Just because this guy told me he'd, he'd you know, uh, help me move today, maybe he, next week he won't feel like helping me move. But see, God keeps his promises. He can be trusted. For those of us who have trust issues, God can be trusted because he is unchanging. That is his faithfulness. That is his faithfulness. And like that, like God's faithfulness, when we have that fruit of the Spirit in us, no matter how bad I want to call my buddy and tell him I don't want to help him move, I'm going to do it because I said so. Because my, whatever, it is, whatever it is I say, I'm going to do it because that is a fruit of the Spirit. All right, let's jump into the last two fruits of the Spirit. We're going to talk about gentleness and self-control. Gentleness and self-control. Gentleness means to bend low. It's meekness. It's humility. This fruit fights against pride, right? Pride, pride stands up and pride says, I am higher and you are lower. I am higher and you are, and you are lower. But, but what uh, gentleness does is gentleness comes from off of that and kind of stoops down and says, you know what? No, I, I'm right on the same level as you. I, the picture that I had in my mind of gentleness was uh, our daughters, uh, Bella and Nora, are 11 years apart, okay? They are 11 years apart. And when we brought um, uh, Nora home, you know, Bella immediately wanted to hold her. She immediately, you know, put her in my lap, you know, put, put her on, on the couch, you know, the, the, and I remembered this thought thinking like, Bella was so big now, she's so much stronger, she's so, you know, that I was afraid that, that she was going to hurt her, not because she wanted to, you know, not because she was meaning to hurt her, but just because she wouldn't know how to kind of like tone it down, right? To kind of bring it down. You know, we know how to, you know, when, uh, especially as guys, you know, we know to be strong. But then, you know, we, we, when you're holding a little bit. Boy, I love watching big old guys hold babies. It's awesome just to see these big, you know, burly guys like Mo and, and, and Jaime and those guys just holding a little baby in their hands. You know what I mean? Because that is the picture of gentleness. That is the picture of gentleness. When somebody who could, you know, when somebody who could... Um, exert their power or authority doesn't. If anything, they come down. And just like that picture of this big, strong, you know, Mo Gray 
guy holding a tiny little baby in his, I mean that in the most positive way, just this strapping man, you know, with just rippling muscles and all that stuff, <laughs> holding, this, hold, holding this sleeping little baby in there. That is the picture of gentleness. And that's how God is with us. You guys, God, if he wanted to, could come down and, and just in his power, wipe us out. Just in his authority, I mean, could just ruin us. You know, and yet in his gentleness, that's not how he approaches us. He could come down right now and we could see him in his fullness and it would probably, we would probably disintegrate. You know, like Moses, who couldn't even look at God. He had to look at God's shadow, you know, the train, you know, of God's glory. He could only look at because he couldn't look upon God. If God wanted to approach us that way, he could, but he doesn't. He comes to us in gentleness. He comes to us in a, in a service like this during worship or in a message. Or he may just come to you in that, that private moment in your car or through while you're reading the Bible and there's just this scripture. That's God's gentleness. That's how he interacts with us. Jesus is the embodiment of gentleness. Jesus stepped down from heaven, heaven humbled himself and became one of us. He did not walk around like an arrogant king, but rather lived among his people and even touched and healed them. That is gentleness. And likewise, that's the kind of gentleness we need to have with one another. You know what? I may have the authority. I may have the power. I may have the right to come at you hard and strong and, and, you know, and overpowering and overbearing, you know, whatever it is. But gentleness says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come at you and, and be delicate with you, you know, and be careful of, of you know, maybe you're in a, in, a, in a really broken place. That's gentleness. That's how we treat each other. Self-control. Self-control. Here we go. The very, very last fruit of the Spirit. Self-control. The principle involved is that of the concentration of all man's powers and capabilities upon the one end of doing God's will. End and through whatever calling God appoints. And the renunciation of everything, either wholly or to whatever degree necessary, however innocent or useful it may be in its proper place, that interferes with one's highest efficiency in this calling. Not limited to abstinence, it is rather the power and decision to abstain with reference to some fixed end and the use of the impulses of physical as servants for the moral life. You're probably saying, what in the world did you just read? That was the definition out of the, you know, American Standard Biblical Dictionary. Let me tell you what self-control is. What I am about to do is this glorify God. Self-control is saying, before I do this, is what I am about to do or say glorify God? Does it bring glory to God? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. 
Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many will be saved. Paul was talking to this church in in Corinth and um, there was this idea of, of, you know, the Jews had these foods that they said you shouldn't eat. Shouldn't eat this type of food. And the Jews were getting caught up in that old um, that, that old law, those old, you know, uh, traditions. Now, they had, did have a meaning. There was a meaning behind it. But what Paul is saying, listen, if somebody invites you over to their house and, and you have an opportunity to be Christ-like to them, eat whatever they put in front of you. Eat whatever. Get out of your own head and get out of this thing. Well, I can't touch that. You know, the, the, the old law says don't touch that. Paul was saying, listen, I'll, I will do whatever it is that will bring glory to God. If this, what I'm doing, will bring glory to God, then I'm going to do it. And the reverse could say about, about us Christians doing things in, in a liberal sense of, well, this doesn't affect me when I do it. But if would it affect your brother or your sister, if them seeing you do that thing, even though it may not be sin, if it would cause another to stumble, Paul is saying, then listen, I'm not going to do it. Because I want to do whatever brings glory to God. Self-control, you guys. Our world is lacking in this. Our world is lacking in self-control. We want to do whatever our emotions, wherever our emotions, wherever our flesh take us. We are like a dog on a chain to our flesh, to our emotions. And let me just be really honest with you. I'm a person who is kind of naturally someone who's kind of driven by my emotions or my passion. And I constantly have to put myself in check. I constantly have to ask the question, what am I about to say right now? Will it bring honor and glory to God? What I am about to do right now, will it bring honor or glory to God? And I'm not saying that I've been perfect. I mean, you can ask my wife. I'm a hothead. I'm a person, I love a good argument, in fact. I love to get in a good, you know, old-fashioned verbal brawl. If anything, it might stimulate, you know, and I, and I don't know what it is, but I kind of walk around and I'm like, come on, let's do this, you know? Now, if you start physically swinging, I'm out. I'm done. But a good old-fashioned verbal argument, I am in, right? But see, that's the flesh. That's the flesh. Just because it gets my adrenaline pumping and just because I feel kind of like I can be louder than you, right? I can, because I'm Italian and because I've been in theater and I can be louder and more demonstrative than you, right? That's just my flesh, though. That's just my flesh. Self-control, self-control then comes in and says, if what I'm about to say is going to be offensive, if what I'm about to say is going to be tearing down, if, what, if this is not bringing glory to God, then I need to stop. I need to immediately stop. Addiction is the enemy of self-control. Addiction is the enemy of self-control. We all have them. We all have them. I have a brand new addiction. I have a brand new one. It is a game on my phone called Toon Blast, all right? It's, it's like uh, Candy Crush, right? right? Um, I blame my wife. She is my pusher when it comes to <laughs> games. She's my pusher. So uh, there's this game called Toon Blast, and 
and it sucks you right in. The, the first like level of it is so easy that you're just flying through it. And you're like, oh, I got this. And you're, you know, you're clicking all the right colors and getting all the nice little things going. Boom, 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 boom. And then it starts to get tougher. Then they do it. They, they hooked you and you're in and you know, you're, you're winning and you're getting coins and you're doing this and you're buying that and boom, boom, boom. And then they finally get you to where you start you know, hitting that wall and losing and stuff like that. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I'm invested now. So I, I, I'm going to sit here until I beat this level. And then you look at your watch and an hour just went by. An hour on a silly game. You know, when I got my daughter coming, Dad, Dad, can you help me with this? One second. I am about to beat this level that I've been sitting on for the last 55 minutes. Obsession. So, so let me kind of get to the point of this, I was literally preparing this sermon, and I, of course, I, I always have my, you know, my phone with me, and so I'm preparing this sermon, and this thought crossed my mind. I'm going to take like a 10-minute break, and I'm going to play Tune Blast. So I did. I took a 10-minute break from my sermon, and I started to get on Toon Blast, and literally, I'm in it, and I felt that, like, that anxiety come over, like, I got away, then I'm not, and da-da-da, and I literally thought, all of a sudden, I, I saw self-control flash across my head, and I went, oh, my gosh. I'm in it. I am living out my sermon right here and right now with this game. So you'll be happy to know that I put the game down, and I finished working on my sermon. And then when I was done with my sermon, I went back to Toon Blast so I could finish that stupid level. Well, that one level, there's like, there's like 1,500 of them, and I'm only like on 200. Oh, my gosh. Listen, addiction is impulsive, but self-control is thought out. Addiction is impulsive. Addiction is, is, I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just going to do it. I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just going to do it. Self-control is thoughtful. It's thought through. It's thought out. It's, I'm going to pause, and I'm going to think about the consequences of what I'm about to say or do. Right? That's the difference. And listen, because of Jesus Christ, we have the power to break addiction. We have the power to break addiction in our lives. So instead of allowing your flesh to pull you back into whatever that thing has got its hook in you, that's, you need to say no. You need to say, uh-uh. That's where fasting comes in. That's where if you're not a person who, 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 is in a, who has a lifestyle of fasting, that's where fasting could be really good because what you're doing is you're putting your flesh in check. And you're strengthening your spirit. Your spirit is getting stronger. You're working out the muscles of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you are weakening the muscles of your flesh. The world wants you addicted so they can own you. But Jesus wants you free so that you can rule the world. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Father God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for sending your one and only son who died on a cross, who conquered death, who on the third day rose again 
But then, Jesus, you even went beyond that. You said, I go to sit at the right hand of the Father, but I will not leave you. I will not leave you to this world by yourself to fend for yourselves. I will send the helper. I will send the Holy Spirit. I have two questions for you this morning. Two questions. The first one is this. If you have never, ever asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins, I would like to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. Say, Jesus, I want to make you the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Give me a new start and a new beginning. If you have never, ever done that, and you would like to make that decision here and now, and you would like to start today new, will you just simply raise your hand so that I can agree with you in that? Simply making a statement here this morning. Here's my second question for you. You know that way too often that you are giving in to your flesh and you are not listening to the Holy Spirit. And to be honest, that's all of us, myself included. Let's just make it our prayer. Let's just make it our prayer to say we will live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. That we will live by the Spirit and not by our flesh. And let me tell you something, it is going to be a daily daily thing to do, that every morning you wake up, that your prayer would be this, not my will, but your will be done today, Lord. Not my will, but your will be done today. Let the fruits of your Holy Spirit be evident in my life and let me die to my flesh every single day, every single moment, every single, you know, that that moment when I just want to blurt out or make that choice that always seems to take me back to sin. I rebuke it. And may I have the strength that only comes from your Holy Spirit to stand strong. Lord, that is our prayer today. Lord, I know that is every single person's prayer in this room. The Holy Spirit, we invite you into our lives. We invite you into our hearts We ask that you would guide us and direct us. And we ask that it would be so evident that people would see the fruits. And that when people see these fruits, Lord God, they would see you. And that they would know you are real. And they would know that you, too, will come and forgive them their sins. And Holy Spirit, you will come and dwell inside of them as well. Lord, use us this day. Use us this week, Lord to God, to be your church to this dying world around us. Lord, as we prepare ourselves for Easter Sunday, may we even now begin to pray for those around us. Pray for the people at our work, at our uh, schools, and maybe even in our own homes, Lord God, that need you desperately. Lord, we pray for them this morning. We love you. We thank you, God. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen.